Welcome to The Soloist, an occasional podcast series about solo performance and solo performers. Hi, I'm Steve, Steve Greer, a theatre academic and writer, and in this episode I'm talking to Christian Noel Charles. Uh, she's an artist who's formerly based in New York, but now living and working in Scotland. Um, her work straddles live performance and visual arts practices, most often through the medium of video. So this is a conversation about how those different arts practices inform each other in uh, Christian's work. And we kind of start off by talking about how she came to video through printmaking, and um, it's really an exploration of the different kinds of creative control that different forms make available. During our conversation, you'll hear me asking about CC time. This is a moment we're taking a look online at some clips of uh, Christian's work will really help, as I don't think I asked the right question. CC time is a particular body of Christian's work concerning self-fashioning and image making and kind of self-love, I think. But it's also a kind of sensibility. So it's a relationship you have with yourself, or at least that's what I take away from that work. So our conversation starts with me really asking uh, Christian about how she came into uh, her work as it currently stands, how she came to video. Here's Christian. I I found things that kind of felt like I could do myself, which was like, at first I thought it was graphic design. And then it was just, and I, because I was like, oh, Photoshop is super cool, designing, you get to do your own thing. And then I realized you have a client in front of you and I was like wait I don't want that and then I went to printmaking which was like oh it felt like there was a sense of freedom I always kind of drew myself to practices that felt like sense of freedom and then I went to video and then I was like okay I feel like I have the full amount of freedom and editing um, using Premiere and collaging and layering and there was like no restrictions specifically towards that practice Specifically, there wasn't a system that people had to build um, making videos. Okay. Um, That's so interesting yeah. to me because I was going to ask about the relationship between your printmaking and your like the video and performance work. Because yeah. I hadn't, I've only ever seen like live work where it's you and, and video projections, yeah, and yeah, I've yeah. obviously seen like your some of the clips of video online. Mm-hmm. But I've somehow missed that you that you were that you, printmaking yeah. is a real part of your practice. Pr- printmaking is huge, and I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you miss about it? Because I I guess when I got the printmaking studio in New York for my undergrad, I had so much freedom. I didn't. There was not a lot of people who were that interested in printmaking in a degree where people are here, and um and that and I had so much space. So that was a lot of working there. Props to Scott. He was such a genius fit. Going to a sidetrack. But, um, and then, so, like, and I was going into video, I was starting video at the time, and I was super invested in printmaking and kind of using mono printing and silk screen as references and color. And then that became, and then when I started going full on video here, specifically, when I got my own camera, finally, I literally had moments where it felt that, I could apply the layering systems that I applied in my printmaking into my videos. And it was like kind of collagey, colorful, the indecisiveness of putting so much on top. Cause I feel like I'm, I call myself the queen of overkill sometimes. Cause it's like when you kind of do a drawing and you want to go specifically in and like go like even into more detail, you kind of figure it, you can't, you don't know when to stop. I feel like I have, you know when to stop when you stop, but like I me, mean, it's like I keep going. I go back to it. And I keep going. I go back and I keep going. So it's kind of like a recycling system. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that that, that 
that you characterize that as like indecisiveness because when I was looking at like the photos and documentation of I think there's two projects that are on your website they're legs for days yes. and they're the 36 24 36 yeah that that like not knowing that at all what looked like well maybe maybe it was indecisiveness or maybe it was also that you were like it was the relentless like working out of the same idea of kind of yeah. going I need to iterate and iterate I need to to explore this this shape or this yeah. compact of lines again and again 36 24 36 was three years that was yeah. a three-year project um, because I was um, I started doing I always kept doing lines when drawing and then when I kept building that it was um, I was watching a lot of women's bodies I grew I grew up in dance um, my mom put me in dance classes when I was in two years old and I stopped until college but I was like a part of like master classes and um, dance organizations that my mom was a part of and literally. It was that project, literally, I was trying to figure out why do I keep doing this? Why do I show this work this way all the time? Mm -hmm. And then why did it go from simple paintings and then drawings and then now these like kind of fabric um, prints? And and then why do I keep cutting this shape? And then I realized slowly it was more a validation, my self-validation that I love my body as is. Okay. In a sense of kind of independence in... um, Bot- and in individual bodies itself and like i had to keep doing it relentlessly because i liked the sa- shapes the, i liked the shapes so much they were all different it felt very lyrical um yeah there's I a real like that. sense of um i was trying to remember i was like <laughs> struggling for vocabulary but there's a real sense of like pleasure in those lines yeah and particularly how the lines sometimes touch and sometimes come to meet each other yeah um yeah, people went back and forth of like they never say vases. Thank God, they were more like there was two butts, tu- two butts touching each other. Which... <laughs> I thought it was. I thought about it. Stomachs and hips. That's how I see. Like maybe that says how I then view that my makes body. Me super happy because I just because I literally thought boobs, uh, hips, exactly, Ex- like all of that. Because like I think because I was like it, for me it was like dancers have been bodies and I did not have that. It was more of an energy critique in terms of dancing myself. So, <laughs> okay. Um, I suppose one thing that's that jumped out for me, both in bits of performance of yours that I've seen, and again looking at documentation online, is how. I, mean, I, I think you kind of characterise. I talk about your work in in exploring questions of self love and self care. Yeah. And I guess I was interested in the different personas maybe that jump out in different yeah. kind of explorations of that so what's the question uh the question is ah i know what the question is talk to <laughs> talk to me about cc time cc time ah okay yeah CC that's not an impossibly huge one no oh god i feel it is a journey i feel like that was a um cc time happened around 36 20 or 36 um where i think well like right now in social media like social media in general everyone has selfies uh, I think during the time when it started, the bathroom selfie was like probably prominent in social media with the duck face, and and it was never questioning that. I felt like it's always going back to dance and being a, in your environment when you're from your childhood. I was always in front of a mirror in in dance classes because you're always checking your body, and also and also both of my grandmothers when I was like 
visiting them, they had giant, it was like an 80s fashion instead. If fa- home decor fashion set, they had giant mirrors in their living rooms and everything. And all I could do was just stare at myself. Um, and, and they would tease me, like, this girl keeps staring at herself. Why is she doing that? I don't know. <laughs> like, I, but I couldn't help it. And then when I soon got, like, um, cameras and cell phones and you're kind of taking pictures of yourself, you're, uh, I, I couldn't stop using it in a way of replenishing confidence. Um, and then when I started, and, and this was going back to, like, just working by myself. I never really wanted to direct people at first. I just felt like using myself forward, it was more of a um, a way to see what to test out and it created these videos where it was just like anything that I was pretty much interested in at the time, it was always added in. Mm-hmm. Whether it was like music or a current actress or star that I was like watching on TV. I consider myself a very mainstream interest girl like i do have underground interest like unknown underrated people but like what anything that is pretty much in yeah front like of you, constantly yeah like what <laughs> it's i it's it's that i wanted to feel like how do i represent myself in that space how do i kind of put put myself into these kind of people who are exposed all the time but you're now kind of like exposing yourself hmm. and I felt like um, the more that I kept building those videos, the more confidence that it built in for myself. Um, and literally saying, like, this is what it is. This is what's in front of me. And this is what I like. <laughs> it's like that. And it was, at first, I defined CBCC time as, like, um, I don't care what you think. You're still looking at me. So, like, even though, like, even right now, like, you're looking at me right now, you could think of me thinking about cheeseburgers. You could think about <laughs> what's happening for, what's, like, wh- what do I have to do for the next paper? But you're still looking at me because I'm still a presence in this space. Um, and I felt like if I keep that attitude, I don't have to feel like the sense of validation of others Okay. in a way. So it was, like, it's, like, it's just me and this is how I am and I'm here. Um but the judgment, the judgmental side of people, the critiques of people, I kind of built a wall a little bit at when at first of that, so I can refrain, uh, show myself. Yeah, because the there's a, like I think I'm trying to remember if there were bits of it that were used in the the performance you did of the CCA at the yeah. end of last year. Uh, the video of of kind of I think it's titled as Voices in My Head, and you have yeah. the three performers. You have three the, three white performers yeah. who are kind of like figuring you a little bit. So they're not just they're not outside voices. They're not just people shouting you in the street. They're versions of you, is what it looks like. <laughs> it was <laughs> Voices in My Head. It was a funny story because yeah, that CCA show. I was asked that day. Yeah, I heard that that one of the other acts was unable to take part and you stepped up right at the last yeah, minute. Yeah, because Carl, thank you Carl, I love you so much. Um, Carl called me because they saw my performance at Small Death, that performance specifically, um, like I think two or three days ago and was like, literally like that morning it was like, oh, do you want 100 pounds? Do you want to perform at CCA? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> And I, like, ran down, and I was like, I'll just show that one. And that, and it was interesting, because, like, that was kind of, like, the first time I really got to interact with CCA Mm -hmm. on stage, because I was visiting their performances constantly. And then, like, 
and voices in my head was um literally I, I I thought it was gonna be my bridge to degree show. I didn't think it would just be a separate entity of a work. Mm-hmm. And like, because I was trying to figure out how to use other people. How can I start to like collaborate? And then it ended up directing people. Um, it was more. Um, I used like three really good friends: Alina, Alistair, and Karina. If you hear this, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very helpful. Of I kind of built. The the wording in that work specifically was scripted. It was basically insecurities of um, what people think of me because, like, I'm I even though I feel like I try to go my own way and everything. There's always I'm one of those uh, people who literally is like, what do other people think of me? And that kind of validation, which is like that's my challenge for for me personally. It's literally it's funny because like I kind of. I like validation of others, but I want my own thing. So it's like that. When I kind of prioritize other people, it drives me insane. So then, like, I use words specifically, like, especially, I think, like, one of them was like, uh, uh, you're the worst. I always say in my head, I'm the worst. Because it's just <laughs> like that. Because I feel like I just did something wrong. And it's just like, you're the worst person in the world. How are you doing? Try to figure it out. <laughs> such a terrible right now. And so and putting them in front of it, they were the only people that were kind of, I thought they had sexy voices. So I was yeah. like, I'll be willing to let, let me use them. And I'm the only um, black, uh, well, there is a person of color. He's kind of half black. But like I, I'm like the darkest person in the, in the, in the whole program so it was like the only people who had the who had the freedom and the opportunity to try to okay. use um stuff and i thought using voices was i had was kind of like the distinction of like the dark side of like the positivity in my other videos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it kind of it turned into this like from just trying to figure out working with other people into like what my dark side like the dark sides of like why these videos happen and trying to bring those out okay okay i mean it's like so much i suppose of your of your work and we can talk a little bit more about it is about this kind of exploration of both of like at least it seems to me about the relationship between an identity based around gender and race and 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 both of them as embodiments yeah i think i read somewhere of you saying like how your consciousness of of like yourself as a as a black woman had shifted coming to Glasgow, which likes to see itself as an international city, but yeah. it's still spectacularly white. It, no, I when I came in like my first few weeks, I felt like I was the only black person there. I literally was walking down like Buchanan Street, and I was like, "Why am I the only one here?" and and I didn't know anyone. <laughs> so I was just like, "What? why did I make this decision? Like, and friends back home, they were like, why did you choose, like, one of the whitest sections in this whole, like, in the whole world? And I was like, I wanted to travel. That was my intention. <laughs> it seemed like a good base. Um, but I think it was a challenge. But I think at the same time, because I, I grew up in New York and I had, like, a diverse amount set of groups and literally kind of... Um, and raised where like both of my parents literally had like there was community there was a black community that I always felt like I was comfort mm-hmm. comforted even though there's definitely dark times right now that it's but there was still a support ne- mechanism I felt like I literally had to build my support here which I finally have now which is really really great and it feels like and it feels like at the same time even though I only been here a year compared to friends who talked to me and it says it took them like 
three years, five years to find like a community to build up. It was, um, I, I feel like more people of color are emerging. Um, like I see now I see like probably at least like a black, a black person, a person of color, like every 15 to 12, no, I'm lying. Five minutes, (laughs) (laughs) five minutes. It went from like 20 minutes to to five five minutes. minutes. I used to think like I've only been back in Scotland, I mean, in Glasgow for, for five years, mm-hmm. that there's been a bit of a shift in how a couple of different arts organisations have have kind of gone, we really need to pay more attention to, yeah. to artists of colour yeah. and giving them, and sharing the platform that they have with them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Buscar has always been really kind of good in leading on that. Yeah. I think National Theatre Scotland seems to have stepped up in a way that they hadn't maybe in the past. Yeah, I think what's really complicated right now, because I've been talking to like a lot of my peers and everything, I like from what I see from my perspective, and this is just from like what, like a year and a half, almost two years being here, um, I was kind of shot, uh, like, tri- I was a part of the Other Artists show last year, um, which uh, Travis Albananza, the performance artist in London, curated and brought all people of color to just be in this show, to just show that there is people here. And that I feel like that literally, that was the first time I found my community of people that I could talk to. And then also that became like a, a an ignite, uh, feels like an igniting fire mm-hmm. with all the curators um throughout glasgow to say that there is a presence here and they need to recognize that even further but i think also i think what's now is like because now gi has like a list a long list of people of color that are presenting everywhere which i really like young afro collective and uh labena hamid <laughs> if i said that correctly i'm sorry <laughs> i'm terrible with names um that i feel that i think there just needs to be even though that is showing there needs to be understanding and actually people going to these and recognizing that there is a presence there because um, I feel like the sense of feeling ignored um, sometimes and they notice that it uh, pe- uh, notice that it's, it's a struggle and they want to just be exposed and share the culture and enjoy like kind of the community and not feel frustrated and angry mm-hmm. and not ostracized. Yeah, so. I thought it was such a smart. I mean, I've got a copy of, of Travis's book, and if you've seen the mm-hmm. the book they produced, which is absolutely yeah. beautiful, fantastic. Um, there was such a, a smart and brilliant and incredibly generous move mm-hmm. to respond to this commission by going, "Why am I? You know, why are you transplanting me as an artist yeah. of colour from London to Scotland? There are artists already in Scotland." Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're like completely kind of recognizing, like just like literally just. Blankly calling it out. <laughs> yeah. So, and I suppose that's all. That's all. Yeah. There's been the support there, or that's mm-hmm. been around transmission uh, yeah. gallery as well, which has obviously had really going through a really difficult period because of the way its funding has been completely screwed with. It's, it's crazy how it's completely screwed with now when they're like literally kind of rising a platform for like recognizing that like there's like there's other people here and they're literally just cutting it off as if they it feels like rewinding like in the United States rewinding of what people have built. So, and I find that insulting and sad. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the statement they put out um, when the funding news came through mm-hmm. and it was so, so brilliantly written and them kind of calling attention to this is the first time in transmissions history where like the, the committee is a committee composed like a f- entirely of people of colour, yeah. artists of colour. And, um, and for them to kind of go, well, this, that's not incidental. So when you're editing and you, um, 
from my experience as a writer, it's nearly all about the edit. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you have this kind of sense of through line, you have this goal you're, you're, you're um, heading towards. Yeah. Are you unable to start editing until you know where you're going? Or is it, do you actually discover that line through the process of the edit or? It, it's weird. Cause like I, when it comes to editing with me, like when it comes to writing for me specifically, I do not like editing. It's like once it's written, it's done. I want to take it away. I don't want to see it anymore. But when it comes to video editing specifically, it's, I can go back in like crazy and then like, and I don't become like a perfectionist, but I like things falling into place. It feels like a visual map for myself. And I am, and people always do imagery and then music or audio. I'm backwards. I'm audio and then to um, visual. Like I want to hear, like you've probably seen like the headphones and feel the music series. It's like I can listen to a piece of music on repeat for up to three months to figure out the rhythms. And then when I use them in my videos, it literally is like I find the placements and then put the images on top um, with that. And then it, that's where it kind of flows. With the okay. So like, so the, the structure is coming, is arising out of like yeah. the music that you know so well by that point. Yeah. The music or the voices of a person, um, like the audio, the audio is key for my videos. Cause other than that, it doesn't, I don't, I can't follow it. Um, I can't follow them through fully. And so like going back to kind of voices in the head and the music and the editing within it, like you kind of saw my voice, my, my lips, like kind of annotating those, it like was always following that. And, um, that, and Top Hat too. it was always built off of kind of the layering and when they would pop up, it was like with cues, mu- musical cues, audio cues that were kind of popped up in there. And then, and then if I wanted to create a longer video, there were always built in sections and then whatever fit best I thought was like A, B, C, D. It was like act one, act two. Um, but then like those small ones, are, they're all critical within the music itself. There's one version of like the Feel the Music series, yeah. the playlist one, where it's silent and you're lip syncing. Yeah. Um, and those are, um, and you're lip syncing to like, there's some, there's some, like Dan and Diana Ross, there's some yeah. Basement Jacks, and there's like some classic music, there's some kind of opera in there as yeah. well. Yeah, Gershwin, I'm obsessed with George Gershwin. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of like, I think my favorite composer, um, because it, it represents uh, New York City in a way that I purely enjoy, um, but also particular notes that I've just immediately fawn over, and just I would listen to that section to 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 like just find the next thing. Um, and I guess with feel the music, it was silent because um, I wanted people to know that like if you wanted to play the song, you could try to find sync it try to sync it and see if it works and it fits in. But also it's just the pure energy and the enjoyment of like just me listening to headphones. I can't help, <laughs> I can't help but dance or be happy or like initiate something uh, with that mechanism. And it's like, and then they're like in my normal playlist, I would listen to like all of those tracks, like just walking in the street. Um, 
to any location that I need to go to or just even in bed. Like, I bet you my, my flat, my flatmates right now are probably annoyed with me because like I would listen to particular songs that I'm really interested in for hours on end until the end. And then they were like, one time they were like, Oh, we, we were humming this song that you kept playing during our holiday dinner. And I was like, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the same time I was like, I kept doing it. So, so it was like stuck in their heads and it just was. But that the um I was I was struck by like I mean maybe this this speaks to what you were saying about your interest in like returning to or recycling or reworking mm-hmm. ideas that that have got potential for you. Yeah. The like the line of flight between that that kind of lip syncing in in the playlist and that bit of field music. Yeah. And there's a I think it was on a link on your on your like your newsletter, your most recent yeah. one. And it's a little short film with you and another artist yeah. and you're you're sitting on like you're having a little CC time moment in yeah. the corner of an elevator, is it? Yes. <laughs> and it's this lovely like public staging of a private moment. Yeah. I um I started I'm starting to get back into that performance, the live performance. Um I recently did that with Thank You Very Much um organization uh the collective there with modern institute that performance i think i just put it up on my website and it was like music i was listening don't care what it is but the attitude and the energy of having fun with it outside and it's just like it's my world but you're just you're you're well you're kind of part of it but you're not um so it's the kind of staging of of like the private act of listening kind of pressing with the headphones on yeah but then like because of its public setting, it becomes theatricalized, and you've yeah. kind of got access to that moment. It's like the term of like dance, like no one's watching, but like I don't care if people watch me. Uh, there are times that I'm, I like I do get off track on the streets, and I'm like, wait, people could catch me with this, and I run away. <laughs> but, um, but but there are moments where I just completely forget that I'm in the zone. I just start singing as if it's a part of a musical. I, apparently, I've been like that since I was a baby. But it was Mary Poppins. That's what my uncle told me. But that's, I think, like, I mean, there's a, like, that dance, like, dance like no one is watching, like, contained in that is dance like no one is watching. Yeah. It's like, you know people are watching. Yeah. So you have to dance as though it's, it weren't true. No, yeah. I think there's a little video, another one of your, like, the either video works or excerpts and video works of yours that's online mm-hmm. is, is, is called just that, I think. Dance yeah. Like dance no one is like watching. Like and has you, um, it was really interesting to me in terms of, like, how the shots, were composed Mm -hmm. where in so many of them there was um they had the mirror and you kind of performing to yourself yeah in the mirror but not not completely there was this really interesting triangulation with like like where the camera was where your body was and where the mirror was that was in my dorm room and i kind of wanted to do an immediate sense of dance like no one's watching or like how i would kind of act in my room which was more ended up like posing it's kind of complicated to me especially with in front of a camera because, like, I become a little more reserved. And it's like you, everyone has, like, their initial sense, how people act in front of a person, different groups of people in the attitude. I feel like that's the same way in front of a phone, in front of a camera, on a stage, even in, like, a lecture or presentation. Sometimes when I do presentations, I go way over the top and I have way more energy when I'm surrounded more by people. But then on a camera, I'm like, I become more shy. It's kind of like the opposite of public speaking. <laughs> so, like, if it's in front of a camera, I become more reserved. And then, like, when I'm with people, I just, I'm like, yeah, here. <laughs> that That's, like, the attitude. Um, and I guess, and usually each video is always prioritizing whether it's, like, the shot of the camera or the music um, or the, um, or, like, the layering 
um, is always kind of, I become, there's always an element within those three primary things in my video practice that becomes a bigger priority for the video. Usually it's the audio, but I felt like for that one, it was, it was just trying to show like, a definition of how it's built for those videos, the rest of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like um, in terms of making it. Um, there, there are some complications. Um, and I guess when I think about, cause I think I'm trying to remember the song. I think I was listening to a Kendrick Lamar song on that one, but I just ended up like holding myself down on it. Cause it didn't felt right. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I just was, I ended up posing or I just like, or I picked the wrong shots because I think there were days, there were times that I was literally full on dancing, but then I just ended up being this very like nonchalant, like, oh yeah, I'm tired. It's that end of the day kind of feels. So, yeah. yeah. But it's, I mean, it's interesting that like watching it, I didn't have, I couldn't quite work out what like the, cause sometimes when I'm like watching performance, I'm thinking about like, what's the, like what's the score or what's like, what's the instruction that the performer's working within their head. Mm -hmm. And to hear you kind of talking about, not quite dancing, not quite posing, yeah. like that, like that. May, that that that's what I was seeing, but I didn't quite understand it when I was looking at it. Of yeah. Just like being slightly more constrained in yourself because you're tired, or because yeah. because that moment there and then, that music and that reflection doesn't quite work. It's kind of like limitations of like kind of how how much effort you're going to be willing to dance um, when not drunk. <laughs> kind of thing I because like I do like dancing in clubs but then there are people who want me to dance because I like to dance when I when I feel the music yeah. in a way uh, and and then I'm just like no I'm tired let me just I can make a minimal effort but I'm not going to go full out unless I hear a song that I want to hear um, and then suddenly it's 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 no effort or it's a different kind of effort because the music is yeah is there yeah it's it's completely yeah it's completely different. Like everyone has like their special playlist or music or particular songs that they will go full force. And, and I will be invested with that or be like, I find you adorable because of it. Um, but that, uh, but when, but when people are just want to be on that sidelines or anything, I guess it kind of, I think that video represents me on the sidelines <laughs> sometimes. Like I, I, this is my minimal effort of, presenting myself for you okay. or it feels like it's getting ready for the next thing nice um i'm keeping it on time because i don't want to take up lots of yours um oh, yeah, the thing i wanted to ask about and you yeah. might not may or may not be able to talk about it is i know that you have i know that you have uh, a piece in take me somewhere in the festival yeah in in May, yeah. um, so I don't know if you is there anything you can say about it. Is that like in progress towards it at the moment? It's, Maybe you can say nothing at all. <laughs> I like I don't want to spill too much because yeah. I feel like it's it's new work. It's a commission that God bless Alberta and Claire because like I, if I wasn't discovered at uh, the film set, the artist image moving in film. Literally, I can't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> the artist moving image festival. Um, with Lux Scotland and um, Tramway in November. If I wasn't discovered there, I wouldn't have had this. And Claire was so willingly and openly um, to show all my work. Um, so, like, it's kind of like, I would say it's, like, seasy. It's It's weird because I would say, this is what I would say. I thought... When I looked at it at first, I thought it was a conclusion of CC time because it's going to witness 
everything that I have built with that practice and <laughs> showing in one room for the festival. Um, but also I look at it as like a new beginning because the performance that I'm going to build for that, it's going to show that transition of how I okay. grow. So from what I, I like reading, like the early, I like uh, chatting to LJ and, and Carl a bit and just looking at what's online. Yeah. It looked like it's going to be a little bit of a kind of retrospective of all of that video work. Yeah. But then a new component of performance work, and that's maybe really productive. Way of describing it. But. Yeah, so like that. Hence why I'm going back then to performance more because it's literally trying to build that new chapter. Okay, um, so I mean it's interesting. Like maybe this, you know, like I'm a performance studies person, so when I see someone making a piece of work with performance, I'm kind of like, oh, they're a performer. Um, yeah, like that's just part of their practice. But yeah. you see yourself of, of kind of like coming back to performance yeah it's weird because i always felt like for me with performance i always use my videos as the foundation for my performances um and so like the live part of it is the live part comes from a video or comes from an essence of a video yeah and i because i because um how i used to do performance it was always this like if you if you want to come to the green room on Saturday, which is part of, uh, which is with around, with around GY in the new, in the new space in Doorknock on the east. Oh, side. okay, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I usually bring back, um, I'm very improvisational and literally it's like anything that is on the top of my head, I just like kind of spit out like poetry or something. Um, which not really poetry, but it's just like a long rant of anything that is like, reoccurring in my head or it just is sounds (laughs) it doesn't matter and i felt like i was i didn't know what was the meaning of doing that it was just it just felt like it was a extension of the personality that was times 10 of like when i normally talk to a person and then i was like no i don't find the foundation i can't find the foundation of this and then i thought using video going back to videos would help me build that even further and i finally found that and i think voices in my head triggered that balance and i was like oh i can do performance again i can figure out a system with it um comprehended to that because like my fear was kind of being like are you going back to like your dance roots and being borderline the theatrical and yeah. theater and anything and it doesn't feel like it's out of the box and that that kind of platform and and i wanted to be completely experimental and completely myself it felt like it was like an individual self one woman show <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like hopefully it would take me somewhere in this new performance that will show what that is now and what it's going to be built there so it, it's weird because my MFA degree show is literally two days before it. <laughs> so, oh, so not much on, no, no deadlines. So that was the brilliant Christian Noel Charles. For more of her work, visit her website, christiannoel.com. I'll link to that from the blurb on this on my website, stevegreer.org, where you can find more episodes of this series and read about what else I get up to. For now, though, thanks for listening.